I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're looking at Job chapters 29 through 31. These three chapters conclude a monologue which Job began back in chapter 26, a six-chapter monologue which began in 26 and ends in 31. Now reading from Job chapter 29. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the day of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me, when I washed my steps with butter, and the rock poured me out rivers of oil, when I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street. The young men saw me and hid themselves, and the aged arose and stood up. The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace, and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind, and feet was I to the lame. I was father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not I searched out. And I break the jaws of the wicked, and plucked the spoil out of his teeth. Then I said, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My root was spread out by the waters, and the dew lay all night upon my branch. My glory was fresh in me, and my bow was renewed in my hand. Unto me men gave ear, and waited, and kept silence at my counsel. And my words they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them. And they waited for me, as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain. If I laughed on them, they believed it not, and the light of my countenance they cast not down. I chose out their way, and sat chief, and dwelt as a king in the army, as one that comforteth the mourners. Now, as I mentioned, Job began this monologue back in Job chapter 26, In these verses, Job longs for the days when he was somebody. We see that in verse 8 when he says, The young men saw me and hid themselves. The aged arose and stood up. When he talked, the influential leaders just shut their mouths out of respect. He was responsible for helping many folks with their problems, and whatever he said about anything settled the issue. We see in verse 22 when he says, And my words they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them. He comments that everyone back then wanted to be in his presence. And finally, in verse 25, he says, I chose out their way and set chief and dwelt as a king in the army, as one that comforteth the mourners. Now, it seems quite obvious, doesn't it, that Job was very proud of his community standing, previously anyway. As a matter of fact, 
you'd have to say that Job, you're the man. Well, he's certainly humbled now. I'm compelled to make an observation here. While Job was righteous acting and looking in all the correct ways, I think this chapter gives us some insight into Job's motivations. Job was obviously a very proud man. I don't think you can read this chapter and dispute that. When this ordeal is over, we'll see in Job chapter 42 that Job is no longer that very same proud man. Trial does that to you. It matures our thinking as believers to make us more usable as humble vessels of God. Trial helps us adjust our expectations and it also tempers our own self-sufficiency. In Job chapter 30, he continues with his monologue which began back in chapter 26. Verse 1, But now they that are younger than I have me in derision, whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hands profit me, in whom old age was perished. For one in famine they were solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste, who cut up mallows by the bush and juniper roots for their meat. They were driven forth from among men, they cried after them as after a thief, to dwell in the cliffs of the valleys, in caves of the earth, and in the rocks. Among the bushes they brayed, under the nettles they were gathered together. They were children of fools, yea, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. And now am I their song, yea, I am their byword. They abhor me, they flee far from me, and spare not to spit in my face." Because he hath loosed my cord and afflicted me, they have also let loose the bridle before me. Upon my right hand rise the youth, they push away my feet, and they raise up against me in the ways of their destruction. They mar my path, they set forward my calamity, they have no helper. They came upon me as a wide breaking in of waters, in the desolation they rolled themselves upon me. Terrors are turned upon me, they pursue my soul as the wind, and my welfare passeth away as a cloud. And now my soul is poured out upon me, the days of affliction have taken hold upon me. My bones are pierced in me in the night season, and my sinews take no rest. By the great force of my disease is my garment changed, it bindeth me about as the collar of my coat. He hath cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes." I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me. With thy strong hand thou opposeth thyself against me. Thou liftest me up to the wind. Thou causest me to ride upon it, and dissolvest my substance. For I know that thou wilt bring me to death, and to the house appointed for all the living. Howbeit he will not stretch out his hand to the grave. Though they cry in his destruction, did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and I cried to the congregation. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me, and my bones are burned with heat. My harp also is turned to mourning, and my organ into the voice of them that weep. 
And this is a continuation of Job's I can't get any respect speech. The one that began back in chapter 29. Now this whole monologue began back in chapter 26 and doesn't end till chapter 31. In this chapter, Job begins by saying that the young men just don't have any respect for him anymore. These are men whose fathers were not even close to being his equals. We see that in verse 1. Which I might add, he states in a very disparaging way. But now they treat him with great reproach. Verse 10. They openly criticize and publicly humiliate him in his condition. His honor and prosperity are gone. Verse 15. Then he comments on his own dire physical condition. Ooh, look at this. His bones and joints ache. Verses 17 and 30. His clothing is, well, yucky from his disease. Verse 18. And he has some sort of internal stuff happening too, as he points out in verse 27. Oh, by the way, his skin has turned black. Verse 30. Whoa. Job must have been one hideous looking man at this point in time. No one respects him now, at least not that he can see. So who's responsible for all this? Job is rather pointed in verse 19 when he says this. He hath cursed me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. Job thinks God has done this to him. However, let's keep a distinction in mind regarding trial. While God permits trial... Well, just as he did here, we see that in chapters 1 and 2. While God permits it, it is Satan who brings it on, both then and now. Job's trial was a character-building ordeal. It's the same process by which believers are made strong and capable today. I've written two articles which may be found under the topic section of Bible Track, and these two articles are worth reading in this instance. The first is called Trial, Testing, and Temptation. And the second is called Trial versus Chastisement. Finally, in chapter 31, Job wraps up his monologue with a list of sins that he hasn't committed. Verse 1. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? For what portion of God is there from above? And what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked... And a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? If I have walked with vanity, or if my foot hath hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance, that God may know mine integrity. If my step hath turned out of the way, and my heart walked after mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to mine hands, then let me sow, and let another eat. Yea, let my offspring be rooted out. If mine heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another, and let others bow down upon her. For this is an heinous crime, yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. For it is a fire that consumeth to destruction, and would root out all mine increase. If I despise the cause of my manservant over my maidservant, when they contended with me, what shall I do then when God riseth up? And when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? If I have withheld the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel myself alone, and the fatherless hath not eaten thereof, 
For from my youth he was brought up with me, as with a father, and I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing, or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warned with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up mine hand against the fatherless when I saw my help in the gate, then let mine arm fall from my shoulder blade, and my arm be broken from the bone. For destruction from God was terror to me, and by reason of his highness I could not endure. If I have made gold my hope, or have said to the fine gold, Thou art my confidence, if I rejoiced because my wealth was great, because mine hand had gotten much, if I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed my hand, this also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God that is above. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found me, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. If the men of my tabernacle said not, Oh, that we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. The stranger did not lodge in the street, but I opened my doors to the traveler. If I covered my transgression as Adam by hiding mine iniquity in my bosom, did I fear great multitude, or did the contempt of families terrify me, that I kept silence, and went not out of the door? Oh, that one would hear me! Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me, and that my adversary had written a book. I would declare unto him the number of my steps, as a prince would I go near unto him. If my land cry against me, or that the furrows likewise thereof complain, if I have eaten the fruits thereof without money, or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life, let thistles grow instead of wheat, and cockle instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Well, as I mentioned, I'll say it one more time, for the last time as a matter of fact, this speech, this monologue, began back in chapter 26, and now has gone six chapters, down through the end of 31. And we see in verse 40, the words of Job are ended. Just when you think Job has expressed his innocence in every conceivable way, he seems to think of another. This time he thinks of all the ways one might be guilty before God that would merit the kind of punishment that he's receiving. And then he proclaims that he's guilty of none of these acts. And, of course, I believe him. Verses 21 and 22 are quite amusing here. Job actually invites chastisement here if he's guilty of abusing orphans or if he proclaims that he's guilty of anything such as what he's listed. He says, may his arm fall off. That's about the only physical ailment that actually hasn't happened to him so far. Personally, I'd be afraid to give Satan any ideas if it were me. Now, let's make a note here. Trial builds character. While Job is not being chastised by God for wrongdoing, this monologue does show that Job may very well have been a little, um, well, you know, maybe snooty. I mean, you certainly can't maintain from this monologue that humility was one of Job's strengths. You'll see when this ordeal is over in Job chapter 42 that Job is a very, very humble man before God. As I said... Trial builds character. 
Incidentally, Job's wife gets one of her three mentions in this chapter. She was mentioned in chapter 2, verse 9. And then again in chapter 19, verse 17. And finally, in this chapter, chapter 31, verse 10. While it was common for the wealthy Old Testament men to maintain a household with multiple wives, it appears that Job had just one wife. She was an interesting gal, told her husband to curse God and die back in Job chapter 2, verse 9, which happened to be exactly what Satan was trying to get Job to do. We saw that in Job chapter 1, verse 11. In Job chapter 19, verse 17, we see that she was something less than pleased with Job's very presence. She seemed to have no tolerance for man who had festering sores all over his body and nightmares and scabs that peel and turn black, disfigurement, bad breath we see in 1917, excessive weight loss, a fever, not to mention continual pain. As Job is listing sins that he has not committed, he offers his wife here in verse 10, if he's guilty of any kind of sexual compromise. I'd like to have seen the look on her face if she heard him say that. However, my guess is she didn't bother to stick around for these meetings. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.